there's something in the air at the moment. Like you can just like there's just a different vibe around. It's hope. Town. It's the smell of hope. Yeah. Welcome generations to this episode of OK Boomer. Today we have a returning guest. Welcome back, Amelia. Hello, hello. How are we? Fantastic. So in today's episode, we touch base with Melbourneian Amelia and find out what life has been like for the last six months. So last time we talked to you, Amelia, Australia had just gone into, lock- into quarantine and all states were on the level playing field in terms of COVID-19. So what has changed since then? Hmm, it sort of feels like to me, um, the rest of Australia, or I guess I'm talking from a very biased point of view because it's it feels like it's sort of, like I'm, I don't have any contacts in other states besides WA and Victoria. So to me, it sort of feels like there's a crossroads. There was a crossroads at some point and like we went, went down one road and WA went down the other and we're like now just in completely different places and so I just feel yeah like it's literally like I'm in a different world living a different life to people in WA at the moment really yeah definitely I I definitely feel like WA because I'm in WA I have no idea what it's like anywhere else but it feels so normal it feels too normal to know that we Mm -hmm. are at this level where other countries and even other states of Australia are completely different Mm. yeah I sort of find that with everything in WA, like when I lived in WA, I felt like I hear about all these things going on in the world, but you never see anything like you never really see. It's kind of hard to conceptualize everything because life in WA is pretty consistent, I think. Yeah. And I feel like we're just so kind of isolated from the drama of the world that it doesn't really apply Mm. to us most of the time or we don't Mm. actually physically see it. So uh, what stage is Melbourne currently in, in terms of guidelines and restrictions? So as of today, we had some restrictions being lifted. Um, But I'll go back to, what was it, about a week ago when we basically came out of full lockdown. So we were in a full lockdown from mid-July through till October, end of October. And um, yeah, now things are slowly starting to reopen. So today we are now able to go into regional Victoria again. Um, hospitality venues are allowed to have 40 people indoors, which is sort of like, it was 20 previously. And that just makes it like quite difficult to go out. You have to like really plan ahead for everything that you do. And it, it's really hard for cafes and stuff to get back on their feet because they can't go anywhere near full capacity. So those are the two main changes from today, I think. And you can still have like two visitors in your house, which is still reasonably strict. But we've had zero cases for the last 10 days. Woohoo! Which is amazing. So it feels like we're definitely coming out the other side now. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it looks like, it just feels like things are looking up. Things, mm. things are getting better and the differences between the states situations are kind of leveling out again Mm. slowly yeah there's something in the air at the moment like you can just like there's just a different vibe around it's hope it's the smell of hope definitely (laughs) is it definitely is so talk me through for you what was the most difficult aspect of lockdown Mm, um there was so many things that i really struggled with 
I guess the first initial thing that I really struggled with was having only moved to Melbourne at the start of the year. Um, I sort of like was in a really good place when I got here and I had like all these kinds of visions for the future of like what it was like what I was going to do and like all the friends I was going to make and all the like you know all the opportunities I was going to get and so I think the first thing that really hit me was and I didn't realize at the time but like looking back I kind of think the first thing was sort of the shock of having to kind of let go of your expectations I actually read online somewhere that you can experience grief from losing something that wasn't a person but something that was like yeah an expectation or an idea of what you thought was going to happen so I think there was a little bit it was definitely shock um and then the second thing that's been really really difficult is I feel like I've had a very isolated experience from my friends and family with everyone that I know pretty much being in Perth or like all my closest friends and family being in Perth it's been quite hard having not all your closest people to you kind of not understand what's going on and like people are very empathetic and it's lovely but you can't kind of speak on the level of like relating to what each other is going through and that's quite difficult um and then I guess the last thing which has kind of been more recent like towards the end of the second lockdown is sort of just like having really low energy levels from the monotony and just waking up every day and doing the same things and not having like kind of any excitement or anything yeah it's just made me quite exhausted it's like a a really long marathon and towards the end you just get really 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 tired of it I definitely agree I feel like People in Perth, and I'm sure I've probably done that as well, trying to relate to the situation and trying to kind of console or, like, support people in other states. Um, yeah, they, no, one, no one knows what you're going through unless you're, unless you're living there and having to go through it as well. And that's a different case for people that are essential workers and people that have lost their job and students and... Yeah, everyone's kind of just having a different experience. Yeah, everyone has a story. And that's like something I've been finding out. Everyone you talk to has like a story. Like they're like, oh, I moved. Their lockdown story. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I think like when you're like explaining the, um, the experience to people, like they can do their best to understand and that's fine. But it's more like when you're not talking about it or like all the other times when they're not thinking about it and not you only think about it when you're thinking about it you know like it's easy to go through a day with that and like be talking to me and not think about it and kind mm. of like forget the extent to what's going on yeah yeah definitely so not only did Melbourne go through their first quarantine as did the rest of Australia but you guys actually had a second lockdown can you tell me what impact that had on you personally and what you kind of saw the impact on Melbourne in general? I I feel like I have learned a lot through this. I'm not really sure what that is yet, but (laughs) I do kind of like feel different coming out the other end. And I guess I really kind of appreciate and I kind of do things that I wouldn't usually do. Like today I went to the park and just lay on the grass and like read my book which was 
was like so nice. And I just really appreciate being outside and like doing these kinds of things, which I normally, it's something that I always would have enjoyed, but not, not something I usually would have actually gone and done. And I think that's really lovely. And just like walking down and getting a coffee in the morning, stuff like that. So I'm enjoying all that kind of stuff. And in terms of Melbourne in general, I think it's still kind of yet to be seen what the impact has really been. I know that on a people kind of scale, like everyone has had an emotional, like has been emotionally impacted by this. Everyone that I talk to has, you know, it's really difficult being cooped up for that long. Um, and then I guess my work, cause I work in a cafe and I, they've just reopened. Um, I know that they're like in serious debt and, um, basically having to take out extra loans to afford it. And I'm just hoping and hoping that they can like have a really busy summer and make lots of money. So I'm assuming that a lot of businesses are in that same situation or probably worse. Um, but yeah, so I think like, but there's definitely a community feeling going around of everyone really supporting businesses and businesses really appreciating mm. support. Like a feeling of solidarity between people on the street. I just, I just imagine being there and everyone like walking out and being like, and just like nodding at each other and being like, yeah, we did it guys. <laughs> <laughs> High-fiving, but like from 1.5 metres. <laughs> Yeah, we do the elbow. Nice. Elbow touch. Oh, cute. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what kept you going during lockdown that second time round? Um, Yeah, probably the main thing that kept me going was definitely uni. Um, I guess I have a certain, like, desire to sort of, like, move forward and, like, be productive. I guess maybe it's this stage in my life of just like, yeah, wanting to like progress. Like in your 20s, you're like, I want to like do this and that. And um, so that's like kind of been the only thing that I've been able to feel that within. And um, definitely like it's just nice to have something to put your passion into and your time. And it takes up all my mental energy, which is good. Otherwise, I would just be stir crazy. Um, and then more on like an emotional level, definitely like Michael, my partner has been like such a rock to me through this time. And, um, he's just like fun in any situation. So like, that's just been nice to still have like, and then also Uber Eats has definitely been my savior. Yes. Yes. Imagine lot. But with no Uber Eats, like, <laughs> like, I just think it would have been so much worse if we couldn't get food out ever because that's, like, kind of, like, a thing that you do, like, to mark. Like, Michael and I do it once a week and so you, like, mark a Saturday night or, like, something like that. But there's literally nothing else that you can do to do that. <laughs> yeah. So just before we um, go ahead too far, we've just talked about your uni. Um, do you want to just quickly tell the listeners what you do at mm-hmm. uni? Yes. Um, Yeah, so I'm currently halfway through my Master's of Architecture at the moment. Um, So, yeah, I've been studying for about four years now, four and a half years. That's awesome. Uh, So we've just talked about uni. 
as um, something that's kept you going through lockdown. Did you have a favourite pastime? Mm, um, time has been going so fast. Like I haven't found myself sort of sitting around going, what can I do? Like literally I feel like I wake up and then there's like two hours and then it's like night. I guess like good old Netflix has been a great friend for me. <laughs> and... I've really gotten into red wine of late. Yes, thank you, lockdown, for the wine. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I work at a craft store and when WA was in their lockdown or quarantine phase, we just went, people went crazy for crafts. People were starting mm. new things. They were picking up old hobbies. Um, yeah, and within within like a few weeks before the quarantine, craft stores were sold out of stock. Mm. It was it was actually crazy, along with the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of that. But I feel like that was more of a characteristic of the first lockdown. Like, in the first lockdown, I did, like, puzzles and, like, Michael and I bought Scrabble and, like, we were like, oh, this is fun. Like, I, I did bake some bread. I got on the bread train. But I think, like, the novelty of doing all that kind of stuff was so over. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was just, like get me to the next day yeah I think in that first lockdown um there was a real emphasis especially on social media on being productive and if you're not if you're not going to work if you're not going to school if you're not doing the things you would have usually done and you're doing nothing else then you're being unproductive and therefore Mm. wasting all this time Mm. and I think it actually Um, ended up being quite toxic um Mm everyone just kind of promoting themselves doing all these productive things and it's almost put down those people that were going through a tough time or were struggling with the idea of not being able to go into the workplace or into the classroom Mm, um yeah even what I said before about if I didn't have uni I'd go stir crazy like would I have really gone stir crazy like I would have found something else to do I like I I probably would have been fine I would have been doing all those creative things and you know doing all that but I think yeah like I think the the guilt of not being able to do anything is almost worse than the actual not being able to do anything yeah that didn't have um weren't able to work or weren't able to study um like I definitely think that the feelings of like not being productive would have been something that made them probably feel badly about themselves or I think like I don't know if that's a huge generalization but if it was me I think that's probably what I would have felt yeah so um coming out of lockdown and you know hopefully the pulling back of COVID-19 um do you have any predictions for the future of Australia in terms of COVID every time I've made a prediction I've been so wrong and it's been like like, when we, when we finished the first lockdown, I was like, we're so fine now. Like, it's over. It's done. My family's going to be able to come visit in a month. And, like, it was such a shock when that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but here I am again. I'm going to say I really think that at this point, Australia has it so under control. Like, we only have, like, four active cases in Vic now. So I just really don't see it going out of control now. They've had so much time to have their, like, COVID plans and their contract contract tracing. Um, so I think it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. Um, I definitely can't say the same for other countries. I don't even really want to think about 
what they must be dealing with at the moment. Mm. Yeah. And I, I also feel like with the other countries, I personally have not seen anything for a long time about COVID in Europe and in America and things like that. Maybe that's just the type of things that I'm exposed to on my social media and on my feeds. Oh. But um, I have definitely, like, today was the highest cases in a day in the US. There was, there's been over 100,000 new cases every day wow. in the US. And um, many countries in Europe experienced a second wave around the same time that Melbourne's second wave started, but they didn't go into lockdown and they didn't introduce masks and their population density was even higher. And so they're now having tens of thousands of new cases every day. I think Europe is starting to go back into lockdown now, but they're not going to be able to eliminate the virus in any sense of the word. No. Because of the amount of cases they have. Yeah. So that's, that's all I know. A final question for you today. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, again, down the prediction line, um, but what are your thoughts on WA opening the borders to the rest of Australia in November? Because Mr. Mark McGowan has been so adamant on keeping them closed. He's finally had his arm twisted and they're going to be open before the holidays. Open them up. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I'm like super biased and <laughs> like I can't really separate my opinion on the matter from my emotions and like, like, I think like, it's definitely, my opinion has been changing. Like, at the start, I was like, oh, goals, Mark McGowan, goals, love your work. But then I was like, dude, because, like, I was hearing all this news about all the other states committing to opening their borders by Christmas, and WA was the only one that was like, no. And I was like, you're just doing it now to keep all the money in WA. And ScoMo accused him of the same thing of like keeping the borders closed because then all the people in WA have to travel in WA and spend all their money in WA. So I got like quite bitter. <laughs> but that was, I guess, when I was going through all that. So um, now I, I don't know. I really want him to open the borders because I desperately want to see my friends and family. WA needs to have the infrastructure in place, which I think they should, to be able to handle a few cases because ever, like there's probably going to be a couple coming in. So the borders are supposed to open on the 14th, which is five days away from now. Yeah, the borders to all the states except New South Wales and Victoria. Yeah. So there's, there's been absolutely no change in how people are acting or from as far as I've, I've seen in person or how they're preparing for the borders to open um, without having to quarantine, unless you are from Victoria. Mm. Yeah, I do think there's probably a huge sense of complacency in WA simply because it's impossible to like to understand, I guess, and conceptualise as we were discussing earlier when I thought you guys kind of only did like two or three weeks of lockdown. Yeah, definitely. You know, I like people are not going to change their behaviour. There's no way. Like, yeah. I don't really need to. Like I don't think the threat is that high. I think it's just, well, I don't know. I don't really know what the cases are like in the other states. I'm pretty sure they would have had to have had zero for 28 days. Yeah. In WA. Uh, I think there are quite a lot of people that are scared there's going to be a second wave. Definitely. Just, if I was going to make another COVID prediction, I'll say there's not going to be another wave. Let's replay this in six months. I really... <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I have a feeling that, you know, touch wood, I hope there is no second wave in WA, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of money put into marketing about not being complacent and putting your guard up a little bit more for when those borders open and being responsible during Christmas and just trying to, yeah. Uh, personally, I'm not too worried. Um, but there is, there is a sense of it could happen and no one wants to go through what Melbourne's been through. Mm, so yeah. I think, I think it'd be better for people to be too cautious and yeah, then, then to just accept it and be a little bit silly and get a second wave going. Yeah. I just think though, there's always going to be people that are extra cautious and there's always going to be people that are not cautious at all. Of course. There's no way you can control people that don't want to follow rules or don't want to, there's people, there was plenty of people in Melbourne breaking the rules when that was happening. It was just, there was enough laws in place that like enough people followed the rules. And if there's going to be no kind of new laws introduced by WA, I think there's going to be a very small percentage of people who change their behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again for joining me, Amelia. It's always great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tune in next Friday to see some thought-provoking conversations aided by the Reflex card game. You can also find all the episodes from the OK Puma podcast on the Anchor app. Until then, I'll see you next Friday.